guys. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> it's uh, a wonderful thing to see the young people here in the front row. I like them young people. I love this, this generation. I, this generation. I think God is doing something awesome. I'm like, whoa, he's doing something awesome. And they're also very, very puzzling, and I love human puzzles because I think if, like, before we just had, like, normal generational gaps, now we have generational <laughs> chasms. <laughs> and, um, and in the beginning, I've been doing youth work since 91, uh, and in the beginning I was just trying to be cool. You know, at first maybe five years I was naturally cool, and then it was becoming more and more of an effort. And I was like, I'm going to be cool. I'm going to stay cool. I'm going to be tracking with this stuff. I'm going to be uh, doing the, what they do and listening to what they listen. I've completely given up. Like, whatever. If they want me, they need to come to my side. I'm just, I'm staying put. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's just nothing. It's just like, hello. Um, oh, thank, you, thank you, Brian, for leading the congregation in prayer for Israel. And you are right. It's very hard for me to think about anything else. But I'll try. Uh, Yes, yesterday, uh, Steve Lewis said something, and I was like, yes, that's exactly it. I, 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 can't, I can't look at little children. I see little children. And I think of our little children. So before I even start sharing with you whatever I was planning to share with you, um, it, it is... It is in the Bible, it's been prophesied that thick darkness, blindness, would be over the nations. And I think we are already in that season, and it's, it's fascinating to me how... Okay, stepping back. You know like how when you do personal ministry with someone, or you're just talking to a person, and all of a sudden their eyes glaze, and there's no arguments, like nothing penetrates, there's no logic. And there is a lot of passion and no logic. Like to me, it's a sign of spiritual stronghold. Like when there's like no one to talk to really. This whole issue that we're dealing with is one big spiritual stronghold. And people come and they say, uh, like, Israel should stop the atrocity in Gaza and bombing, and you go like, okay, so justice is letting rapists and murderers go unpunished. This is justice. Like, you justice people, is that the right course? Like, what would you do? Like, okay, tell me, what would you do? But there's like nothing, no one to talk to. And, and there are like these holes and gaps, and I say, okay, this is the blindness, this is the blindness, it's, it's already a result, it's not a cause. It's as a result of sin, this is happening. What's happening in Israel is also not a cause, but our heart, we kind of need to be able to track with the heart of God, and it's getting harder and harder. And, uh, and I'm just holding on with anything, everything I got because 
it's hard to pray, it's hard to worship. I'm sort of afraid to go deep with the Lord because I'm thinking, okay, I will fall completely apart. And I know there are people in this room who go, oh, just fall apart. I, not the right time for me because we have 50 families we're caring for in, uh, in Israel and I'm trying to help do that across the ocean. And I'm, I promise you, when, when the dust settles, I will fall apart because the only thing I actually want to do is just go on the floor and wail. But I want to tell you about this. I think some of you already saw that. This is a campaign that an organization in Israel is running. The organization is called FIRM, Fellowship of Israel-Related Ministries. You can find them online. They are a network of communities, both in Israel and in the States, and their vision is connecting them, but they're doing it on a very large scale, similar work to what Ruth's Heart is doing here in Jacksonville with Steve and Marianne in leadership. Um, they asked people in the nations who pray and care about Israel to write a name of a hostage on their hand first and foremost for prayer. Like every time you see it, you'll pray. Like today when we started worshiping, I was like, oh, my Emilia girl has washed away. So I put her in and I was lifting her up to the presence of the Lord and worship. Um, and second, those of you who are active in social media, photograph it, post it. It is more effective than pro-Israel arguments because no one is listening. But this is appealing to a heart and not brain. I don't think that there is a human being in the world, if they're not completely demonized, that don't care about a five-year-old girl alone somewhere in a cage in a dungeon. We all care. So let's pray for them to come home, uh, write, post, raise awareness. We need... Um, we need those who pray for Israel. We need these prayers like never before. And, um, and you know, uh, Mark Tan, you know. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the message I want to share with you is actually more appropriate than I thought it would be. Because <laughs> we... Uh, yeah. we're entering a season and I keep saying season, season, season and I know that we've been doing it for a while there were prophetic voices that started talking about a dramatically new season uh, somewhere in 2015 I personally believe that the season changed in 2017 if you want to know why, it's a different conversation and it's a long one. But that is not hugely important. What is important is that we are in a different season. People know it. I have non-believing friends in Israel that know it, that something shifted, it, like you could feel it. And if you're tracking with the Lord, you know it for sure. We're entering a very hard season heart-wrenching season. We need to hold on to the Lord with everything we've got. But it's also glorious season. 
And as, you know, when we prayed for healing and we prayed for signs and wonders, you know, for healing to come powerfully into the church again, I think we will see it. And I think we will see it especially kind of obvious and clear with this generation and even younger ones. Uh, so this is my prayer. I'm praying for the wave of his fire to go across the, the earth again. And whenever I pray anything, I start with my people. And I say, Lord, give the wave of fire to Israel and to the nations. Uh, I want to see the Messianic body in Israel rise up for this season. And I believe with everything that it will happen. But it's also hard. Uh, my mom is not a believer yet. She's kind of anti-God. She is a Jewish woman. She doesn't have any choice. Both of her parents are Jewish. But she's also one of the most anti-Semitic people I know, honestly, full disclosure. Partially because of the bombardment, like it, when for generations you've been told that you're garbage, you begin to believe that you're garbage. And I think that's what happened. It's a bit of a Stockholm Syndrome situation. Um, and she is okay, like she says, I kind of like uh, Jesus, and I like New Testament, it's a very good book, hate the God of the Old Testament. I'm like, mom, same God. No, no, that's just can't be, hate him. Uh, he, he is, she said, he horrifies me. And I'm like, mom, I'm telling you the truth. Any of us who actually believe that he's good, if he never horrified you, you're not going deep enough. Because he is not our size. And, and his mind is not our mind. And things just don't add up. Like you go, okay, this is true, and also this is true, and this is true. And how do you bridge between these truths? And the tension in your heart is basically tearing you apart. That place of tension is the prophetic. When you absolutely love Israel and absolutely love the nations, and you feel that, that's the prophetic spot. If you surrender one of the side and you would say, oh, you know, God doesn't care about that. God only cares about that. Easier, but not right. If you know, like I know today, this is my tension. I know that God's promises for Israel stand, and I know he's good. I also know that there are little children in captivity, and I also know, well, I'm not going to tell you what else I know, but you probably also know that. These things don't reconcile in here. So I just need to reconcile them in my spirit by stretching my spirit. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? And I think the more we go, the more we will see it. So I want to talk to you today about authority. It's a Bible study I've done several years ago, but it was sort of around this, these verses from Mark, so I'm like, well, that's not bad. I can compose, a, I can share with you my Bible study. <laughs> and it's Mark 10, 3545. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, teacher, 
they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. That's a fairly audacious thing just to start with, yeah, right? Like, hey, you know, promise us. It's like, you know, like when kids come to you and say, like, promise you're not going to get angry. Like, oh, chances I will. <laughs> so that's pretty much that. Just like, promise us you're going to do whatever we ask. Uh, and he asked them, what do you want me to do for you? They replied, let one of us sit on your right hand. Uh, right and the other on your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, uh, Yeshua said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. Well, little did they know. Um, if they knew what they are signing up for, they would have thought twice probably. Uh, Yeshua said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became uh, indignant with James uh, and John. This is also like very typical, right? We we always in each other's business. Like when someone is doing something stupid, we're like, "Ha! Oh, how dare they be so stupid?" And then the next moment, we're stupid. Uh, okay, so uh, Yeshua called them together and said, "You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve." and to give his life as a ransom for many. Many years ago, I, in London, I uh, had a meeting with a very, very influential man. He, he's super wealthy. I was basically going to pitch a vision to him and ask him for a very large sum of money for my vision. And uh, he is a believer. Uh, he uh, financed massive projects in the kingdom because uh, his, his background is in finance, but he also comes from money. Those things come easier for people who come from money. Um, and we were sitting and talking, and at some point I said to him something like, like, you're a powerful man. And he said to me, you're absolutely wrong. You are a powerful person. I'm influential and it's not the same thing. If we replace the word power with authority, basically, because I think that's what he meant. He meant like, you have authority in the spirit. I'm influential. And influence is the uh, capacity to have effect on character development or behavior of someone or something, or the effect itself. God does not need human influence. And this is what I am kind of giving you, like the results of my Bible study straight ahead. God has no interest in human influence. 
We, as people, flesh and blood, we love influence. We marvel at influential people. We want the body to be influential. We try to, you know, like I, I've, I've heard so many movements, their teachings, their books on how we can become more influential. Here is uh, like the churches, large churches pursue influence. This guy, when I was talking to him, he basically made, put it on two different sides. And he said, on one side we have authority, on the other side we have influence. Um, Mother Teresa, right? She was once asked, what gives her the authority to run a multi-million dollar charity? Uh, and she said, I'm really good at cleaning toilets. And, uh, and she was, and, and there was a funny story of this uh, young man who showed up in her office and said like, hello, you know, I came to visit with you, uh, suit and tie, you know, really well-dressed, and the f she gave him toilet brush and sent him to clean toilets. And, uh, and I can imagine, they only imagine how nasty they were, and then, uh, he comes back and he's like, well, I've actually sent here by your investment company to discuss your portfolio. <laughs> so uh, uh, the, the authority that comes from joyfully and willingly cleaning toilets, that's pretty much what Yeshua is also talking about. Like, this is where we go. It's not what our na natural man wants. Not at all. It's like, I've heard an expression last week from Mike Bickle of doing spiritual push-ups, and now it's like I'm just thinking in this term. This is a major spiritual push-up. Because we all know we're supposed to be servants. The moment someone is beginning to treat you as one, this is when we flip. And this is when we know where our heart really is. Because we're okay with the concept. We're very seldom okay with implications. So I think if I came to talk to Mother Teresa about something very clean and got a toilet brush in Calcutta and sent to clean a toilet, I would probably be upset. It would be good for my soul eventually, but I would be upset. Um, now... Influence and authority, right? This is my Bible study, and I'm going to share it with you as bullet points, and I think uh, you can process it later. So I'm just like throwing things at you and hope that some will stick. So here we go. Um, Abraham um, was called out of his sphere of influence. He came from a very influential family. He was like a big deal in his, in his area where he lived. Normal thinking, like if I were to recruit Abraham to work with me, I would be like, okay, we're going to use all of these connections. God pulls him out completely, cuts him off from anything and everything where he had natural influence. Genesis 12 starts all over with him. Uh, he then makes him an influential person again, makes his family influential family, and then you know what happens then, right? Uh, Joseph uh, was stripped of all influence. Uh, 
disconnected from his family, brought down to nothing before God started working with him. Like he didn't, God didn't build on the foundation of his natural influence at all. Nothing. And then he started working with him and made him influential. Most of the prophets uh, that we know, in the beginning of their ministry, they're discredited. Like some of them came from good families, well-known families. Some of them were well-established. If we look at their history, they've been, their worldly influence has been taken uh, from him before the authority of their ministry was established. Some of them haven't had their earthly influence returned in their lifetime. Like none of Isaiah's prophecies came true in his lifetime. And this is like the worst ministry strategy possible. Like Isaiah... He, if he had supporters, he would have nothing to report. It was just like misery all around. Uh, uh, King David, right? Uh, it's like God specifically went after the smallest, the littlest, the youngest, the like pretty much the only thing we know about David when his ministry begins is that he was very good looking. That's pretty much it. Like a handsome boy. Here we go. Uh, And then he puts him in a situation where, like, it's very clear that nothing is built on earthly influence. Like, he's not building him up slowly. Like, you're nothing today, but tomorrow you're... He's sitting in in a cave, already fully king, sitting in a cave, scared for his life. Uh, so there's like not not this gradual development when he grows into his authority. No human influence for David. Um, Paul, I, I actually fa- find Paul uh, one of the funniest example examples because out of the disciples he was the most educated. He was the smartest, most educated. He also had the most pedigree. We Jews are very interested in these things, even now. Like, uh, people ask me, are you, both of your parents are Jewish? Where did they go to school? What did they do? It's always kind of like, it's, it, it, there is an interest in that. He was very well educated, super intelligent, studied under the most famous rabbi of his time, God plucks him out of there and sends him to, a gen- to the Gentiles. Rabbi Shmabai, nobody cares. And he takes semi-literate fishermen and sends them to the Jews who don't have much respect for any of that because like, what kind of authority do you have to teach us? Z- human influence, zero value. We wouldn't have done it like that. If we have someone come to our, to our church, our congregation, who just went to, I don't know, like let's say Moody Bible Institute, has finished his doctorate and postdoc work and is ready to preach, it's very unlikely that we are going to uh, send him to do dishes or something because that's kind of, you know, that's... That's what you prepared for. Didn't work like that for the disciples. 
Yeshua. We know uh, Isaiah 53, right? Uh, verses um, two and four. Uh, who have believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he grew up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground. He had no form, no, no comeliness that we should look at him. For uh, there was no countenance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with sickness. And we hid... Uh, uh, as uh, it were our faces from him, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Um, the king of the universe, who has every and any influence you could think of. Like, he could have gone to the most prominent leaders of the world and started with them. And instead, he goes to the fishermen who have no education and don't know about him much. And he starts with them, and he goes, you know, with 12 people. I, uh, we don't want 12 people. If we organize a meeting and only 12 people show up, we're disappointed. Because we want more influence than that. The king of the universe didn't mind 12 people. And then things were growing, of course, but still, you know, 12 people. He could have had millions. <laughs> 12 people. Um, in Ma Ma we're going back to Mark uh, 12, uh, 10, 42, 45. Uh, Yeshua called to them and said, you know uh, those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, Lord over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Authority. First of all, this particular word is only used twice in the Bible and all in the New Testament. It's not an Old Testament concept. Uh, maybe because the sort of hierarchical respect was assumed in the Old Testament, like we didn't doubt that if you're a priest, you're anointed, you have authority. Nobody's going to argue with it. And as the uh, history of man progressed into more individualism and more humanism, there were doubts. So um, authority in Hebrew, the word is samchut. It's from the root lismach. Lismach means to trust or to lean on someone. Authority is like if I have authority over my team, it's so that they can come and lean on me. And I would support them. This is the, this is the nature of authority, not just telling people what to do. It comes from they want me to tell them what to do because they trust me and they know I'm there to keep them from falling. We see, um, even though the word authority as such is not used, but the concept as we understand it, we see it in the Bible appear many times. We see authority given to Adam and Eve to rule the creation. 
authority given to Moses to lead his people, authority given to priests and chief priests, and it's connected with the, with the office. It's not a blanket. Like when they are not in their garments just walking down the street, it's not automatic authority over the people. The authority is in when they perform their, their duties. Authority is given to Yeshua, Matthew 28, 18, for everything. And he's actually the only one in the Bible that I found who had blanket authority over all things. All authority in heaven and earth to Yeshua. Authority is given to the 12 by Yeshua. And here are the interesting thing. Authority in the Bible, in the New Testament, when it's given to us, the disciples, or to the 12, it's given in plural. And most often it's a plural task and not individual task. Because we are so individualistic right now, especially in the Western world, we think I, me, I have authority to bind and to loose, I. And it's not exactly I, it's us. Like Peter had it given to him personally in singular. But then the, when it's repeated for the, for the disciples, it's us. We as a body have this authority. Uh, authority here, bind to, uh, to bind and to loosen, is given to Peter upon recognizing Yeshua as the Messiah. It's Matthew 16, 15, 19. And then same authority later given to the disciples as a community of faith. It's a corporate authority, 18, uh, Matthew 18, 18, 20. Uh, again, I say to you, these two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered uh, together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. That's the, uh, that's the authority of corporate for us. It's not individual, it's corporate. I think we very often claim authority that we are actually biblically not fully given because we want it to be individual, we want it to be mine, uh, and it's ours. Uh, authority is given to believers upon littleness, to be like little children at John 4.4, where it says, uh, uh, when Yeshua prays and he says, you are of God, little children, you have overcome them, meaning the powers of the world, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. This authority to overcome is upon us being like little children. Uh, authority for uh, edification of others is given in 2 Corinthians 10. It has limits. I think also very often we think that as body, like, or as a person, like, because I'm a daughter of God, I have an authority to, I don't know, rebuke everything that I see. I don't think that it's necessarily true. I have an authority to edify. I have an authority to build up. I have an authority to encourage. And this is the authority that is clearly given uh, in 2 uh, in Corinthians. Um, for even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, says Paul, which the Lord gave us for edification and not for your destruction. 
authority to bring down, that is an individual thing, kind of, bring down whatever elevates uh, itself above Yeshua and to keep our thoughts captive. You know how funny it is that we so often feel like we have control over things we have zero control over, and we have no control over things we actually have control over. Uh, heart wants what heart wants. That is just a pile. We have control over the heart. However, when uh, I, I, like people send, write to me, be safe, zero control. Zero control. And we've seen it now, right? No control. We think that we have control of keeping ourselves, our children safe and healthy. No. We do have control over our thoughts. It's tricky, but the scripture says that I can keep them captive. So if I'm thinking, unless I have mental health issue, because sometimes when you do struggle with that, you do, do not have control. But generally, if you're healthy, you can keep your thought captives. And you have authority to do that. Uh, the, uh, we have the authority to overcome the world, which is our sinful passions. Generally, we feel like we have no control over those either. It just happens. Well, apparently, in, we can do that by faith. First uh, John 5. Uh, authority is given to the Holy Spirit to speak the truth and tell of all things to come. In John 16, 14. And then we have future authority that is in the blood of the Lamb in our testimony to actually have a total, final, complete victory. That's a promise, that we will have that authority. So right now, we're just collecting the testimony. And I think there are, it's a collective testimony of the body of Messiah. It's not my personal one. But the collective testimony of the body of Messiah is going to be powerful to tear down any authority the enemy still has. Our authority as individuals in this room is authority of little children, an authority of foolish over wise. We don't like being foolish or being called foolish as being perceived as foolish. I hate it. I grew up in a family that uh, basically had inte intelligence as an idol. It still pops up at its head. I, it's hard to tear down. I did nothing to be smart. It's my parents' genetic soup. That's what, what helped. It's not, it's not something that the Lord is looking to reward, how smart we are. And our authority actually rests in the place when we know nothing. And when we're puzzled, and when we just go, Lord, I choose to trust you just like a little kid. I just choose to trust you. Because this is, this is the only way I can, I can do it. Um, and uh, Luke 10, 21 24 says, in the same hour, uh, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed uh, over to me by the Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Uh, 
y then he turned to the disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you for that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. You know what? We are living in hard, hard times. They're not going to get easier. They, you know, like remember when we were in lockdowns during COVID and people were saying things are going to go back to normal. And I was just quietly laughing in my home in Israel, like normal. <laughs> we're going to live a new normal, uh, constantly shifting normal. But what I can tell you with certainty, with full faith, 100%, uh, and probably even a little bit of authority, I'm telling you, there are prophets and saints who were longing to leave, live in these days because things that are unfolding now, there are unity of the one new man that we're, we're seeing that is unprecedented, that is unfolding now and only going to grow, the signs and wonders that we're going to experience, the suffering church that is rising up and determination and in power that we're seeing now in the world, the young generation that is seeking the Lord, Jacob that are looking at his face, Israel who is hungry for his presence. All of these things that we are seeing now and we're going to see more and that is going to keep us going these things there are saints and prophets who were, were willing happy longing to li live in this hard painful season just to witness it but we get to witness it and my hope and prayer is that there are also some people in this room who will actually see Yeshua return in glory, Maranatha. That is my hope. I don't have the train schedule of the second coming, so I don't know for sure. But I choose to live with the expectation that when people ask me, when is Yeshua going to come back, when do I think, I say to them, sooner than you think. That I know for sure. He's coming back sooner than you think. Whatever you think, sooner than you think. Sooner than I think. He is on the way. The king of glory is on the way. And we were singing this song today, and I started thinking about resurrection. And, you know, we're looking at what's happening in the world today, and we're going, whoa, uh, this is so complicated. Middle East is so complicated. This is so complicated. Oh, it's so hard to understand. No. Uh-uh. You're believers. You're children of God. There's Holy Spirit in you who is just been designated to reveal you th things to you. It's not hard to understand. It's life versus death. And the leaders of Hamas or other big terrorist organizations, they're not even hiding it. I don't understand how we're not seeing it. They are not hiding it. But one of their main leaders, he said, we love death the same way they love life. And that's the bottom line. It's life versus death. We love life. You could see Israeli soldiers now, videos are circulating, going into battle, dancing and singing. We love life. We don't want to die. We don't want our children to die. We don't want death to spread around the world. It's life versus death. And this death doesn't care. It, well, it prefers Jewish death. Then second favorite one is Christian death. But uh, it doesn't mind Muslim death. It just likes death. Because it comes from the pit of hell. And it loves death. 
we choose life daily daily even if it's painful even if it's confusing even if we don't understand how exactly it all fits in a 12-step program we choose life and Yeshua the Messiah his life his life we know that our natural man doesn't like this path of authority he doesn't like for us to go small. He doesn't like for us to go stupid. He doesn't like for us to use our natural influence and be moved out of sphere of comfort into to the unknown. He doesn't like that. He's fighting it. We know that. But we also know that very, very soon, a man of immense influence will appear, and he's going to be attractive, and he's going to be so influential. And if we we haven't trained our senses by then to despise that kind of influence, to not look up to it, to look for influence of humility, to look for influence of painful sacrifice in our hearts, in our own life, to look for corporate over individual, to not seek personal glory. If we won't be able to train our senses, so it becomes habit, like Book of Hebrews says, it becomes a habit for us to dislike that we will be tempted and probably deceived. We need to be ready. Uh, let us pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for you despised the wise and the powerful, and you gave authority to your little children. We're small. We are naturally insignificant, but you are all we've got. You are all with God. You're the spirit of wisdom. You're the spirit of knowledge. You're the spirit of understanding. And we pray, Lord, that you will uh, turn our hearts to desire to be servants of all in whatever's needed, in however you lead us. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen.